Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. So we turn now to Proverbs 1. Uh, Let me tell you an account. It was Christmas break, 1991. I was in college. I was home for the holidays. The gift that year was a little booklet called Life's Little Instruction Book by Jackson Brown. Does anybody remember that book? Maybe some of you might have it on a coffee table still left over from the 90s. It was a small little rectangular compilation of ideas and suggestions that a father had written to give to his son when his son left for college. It was just short little ideas that were meant to inspire you uh, in the idea of wisdom. One of those was, don't give up on anyone. Miracles can happen every day. Simple things like that that are hard to argue with, it was a good idea. But that particular year, it was so popular. Uh, It became the first New York Times book in history to be a bestseller in hardback and paperback at the same time. People were crazy about life's little instruction book, these simple little sayings about it. And why? And I think it's because we have always throughout world history had questions and we want answers. We need advice. We need to know how to think, how to live. And that little book offered some insight. Here's what's interesting to me about life's little instruction book. Again, it's 1991, I was in college. A couple of days after Christmas, our family had the Today Show on, back in the day with Katie Couric. And the author of the book and his son were being interviewed on the show. I wasn't paying much attention until I heard the voice and I looked up and did a double take and saw on the screen, that's Adam Brown. Adam Brown was one of my fraternity brothers. We were pledge brothers. This little booklet was written to him. And I just remember thinking, What on earth is Adam Brown doing on the Today Show? I've known him for the last couple of years. We're great friends. I had no idea he was going to be famous. When we all got back to school, everyone wanted to know, how did this happen? How did you become the celebrity of Christmas of 1991? He simply said this, my dad had been working on this for years. Someone had the idea, maybe we should turn it into a book. And so they did. Here's a picture I have for us this morning as we think about this passage and we think about the message of Proverbs. Here's what happened with that little book. A father's love for his son spilled over for the whole world to grow in knowledge of what the father desired the son to know. Now, it doesn't take much to connect that to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me say it again. A father's love for his son spilled over 
for the whole world to grow in knowledge of what the Father desired for the Son to know. A proposition for us this morning as we look at these verses is for you to see that God loves you so much in his Son, Jesus Christ. He wants you to know how to live successfully inside of his world. And when I say success, I mean by his definition. So therefore, we have this great book of Proverbs as a picture, as a guidebook, if you will, of life inside the kingdom of God. What we're going to see this morning is that God did not simply take away our sins when he gave us faith. He has not left us. He has not abandoned us. He has not forgotten us. No, but rather his word reveals that his desire for us is that we know how to live inside of this world that he has created. I think in light of the craziness that surrounds us day by day and has had for all times, but maybe there's never been a time like today that we need to know how to live and follow the Lord. How to think, how to make decisions, how to make decisions about what is right and wrong, how to see the world the way the Lord sees the world. That's what we're going to do. All right, so first this morning, by way of introduction into the book of Proverbs, I have two points. First, I want us to see the uniqueness of the messenger of Proverbs. And then secondly, I want us to see the hope of the message. So let's focus on the messenger, who wrote this, and then the hope of the message. And my prayer for us is that we will fall more in love with the good news of Jesus as Jesus is described here in Proverbs, and our eyes would be open more and more and more to him. First, let's look at the uniqueness of the messenger. Look back at verse 1, chapter 1. To understand the context of who wrote these words will be so important for us as we think about and understand the good news of Christ. What we see here is that these words are written by Solomon, who was the son of David. And hang with me here, there's a lot going on, it's important that we understand these names. If you'll recall from Old Testament history, there was an Old Testament monarchy established by God to provide leadership for his people in the nation of Israel. That monarchy was one disaster after another. If you want to go back and read through First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, it's shocking just how bad most of these kings were. It's really an account of one failed kingship after another, one mistake after another, one idolatrous train wreck after another. Even when there were good kings like Hezekiah, we see his sins revealed as well. And we can read the accounts of these kings now in our day, in the New Testament day, with theologically correct lens, understanding that the overall storyline of the kings was to point the way to the one king who would not disappoint, the one king who would not fail, the one king who would not lead his people into idolatry. And of course, that is the true king, Jesus. How do we know that that is what Proverbs is about? Again, pay attention to these names. It's because of the uniqueness of the author. There's so much revealed here. Of all of the many kings of ancient Israel, God only made a particular relationship with one of those, and that was King David. We see in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that God initiated with David a covenant. That is a promised relationship that God would do something and he would fulfill his promises with that person. 
A covenant is something that God makes with people where he will fulfill whatever he says he's going to do. What was the promise he made with David? What was the covenant he made with David? It was this. It's that David's descendants would rule over the people of Israel forever. That is, all of the people who were promised to Abraham, all people of faith, all people who are ultimately followers of Jesus, would have a leader. They would have a king, and he would be a perfect king. So from Proverbs 1, verse 1, when we see David's name, we know now that's what's going on. Solomon was the first of the leaders who would paint the way forward for the reign of Christ to come. He was the one chosen to carry on the work and the ministry of leading God's people in the direction of the coming Savior. Solomon was part of the lineage of God to grant us this coming Jesus. So thus, these words written throughout this letter came from a movement of God for the blessing of God's people. Please let this sink in this morning. These are not just little pieces of advice to help you through your day. But rather, these are the words of our great king about Christ. Let me convince you this morning that as you read Proverbs, you are being brought into the secrets of the kingdom of Jesus. The entire purpose of the Old Testament kings was to produce the true king, Jesus, the great king. You can trace this in Matthew chapter 1, the descendants from Abraham to David through Solomon, all the way to Joseph and Mary to the birth of Christ. See this. The uniqueness of the messenger of Proverbs is that these words are for special people. These words are for royal people. These words are for not ordinary people, but unique people. And friends, if you know Christ, these words are for you. These words are for the royal family of God. And in Christ, that is you and me. These aren't simply life's little instruction books all over again. Oh, no, no. These are words for the royal family of God. These are the attributes of a daily life in the person of Christ. So my prayer for us this morning is that you would see just how special you are because this book even exists. Hear these words from 1 Peter chapter 2. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Do you know who you are this morning? That you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession? How treasured you are reveals the fact that God has given us Proverbs to help us know how to live rightly inside of his kingdom. You see, in your hands are the words of the king given to his children who carry on the fame of the royal family. These are the secrets of God about how we are to live. Friends, this is us. This is our heritage. We belong to a special kingdom And we have this book to teach us how to live. Let me say it this way. If you weren't special, this book wouldn't exist. But since you are in Christ, it does. In my experience in life, my own testimony, my experience as a pastor, is that most of us don't feel very royal. Most of us don't think 
highly of ourselves in Christ, typically because of the weight of sin and the consequences of sin, we have a hard time looking at us the same way the Lord looks at us. But when God looks upon us in Christ, he sees his treasured possession. And he loves you so much, he wants you to know how to live inside of this world. I mentioned that we had a small team that went to England a couple of weeks ago to check on the Longwees and to be with them. And I got to uh, preach at their church. And just the whole royal family thing of the British family, I, I don't really get all that, but I know it's a big deal. And to them, they really get into it, and understandably so. That's not my point. Here's my point. I just had this picture of thinking about Proverbs. What if William and Kate wrote a book and produced it for their children and made it available for the world to read? Do you know what would happen? Amazon would explode. Everyone on earth would want to read the secrets of their family and how to live inside of that royal family. Friends, what we have with Proverbs is the royal family of Christ. The uniqueness of the messenger reminds us of who we are We belong to the Lord, and he wants us to know how to live. That's the uniqueness of the messenger. But now, secondly, notice the hope of the message. The hope of the message. If these words are for you, and you are treasured, and you are royal, and you are special, and you are chosen, and you are beloved, and you are purchased, if that is all true, What do these words hope to accomplish in your life? What do we understand these words are supposed to do inside of our hearts and our minds? Maybe a better way of asking this. What does Jesus want you to have? If you follow him, as you follow him, as you grow in faith, what does he want to produce inside of you? Let me mention, just in these opening verses, from verses 2 through 5 here, four verbs that are here and let you get a taste of what God desires to accomplish inside of our life. This, this is meant to read a bit as a commercial, if you will, to try to convince you to buy this product, this product of wisdom. Let me mention four things here and ask you simply, is this what you want? Because this is what Jesus wants for you. First, notice verse two. Jesus wants you to know wisdom and instruction. Not just to hear about it, not just to believe, but to know it, to be friends with wisdom. Wisdom is, quote, the spiritual ability to see the world the way God sees the world. I don't know of a greater gift I could offer you this morning than to see the world the way the Lord sees the world. Instruction reveals the reality that this comes over time, that it's something that's learned. Wisdom is the universal term seen throughout Scripture for a life in tune with the Spirit of God. It is the mastery of life, if you will, inside of his kingdom. In our day, we have so many voices telling us how to live. And frankly, I enjoy listening to a lot of these folks. From Jordan Peterson to Dave Ramsey, and the list can go on and on and on. But understand, as followers of Jesus... We have a source, and it is based on the fear of the Lord. As I prayed for the sermon this week and just thinking about various applications, I would suggest to every teenager amongst us this morning, I hope you get the best education you possibly can. I really do. 
I can't guarantee the results of that education, though. But I can guarantee the results of a life that's built upon the fear of the Lord, that you will grow in wisdom, that you will grow in knowledge, because this is the promise that Jesus wants for you. It's the promise of Scripture, is that you may know wisdom. That is the gift. So I ask you, do you want this? Second verb to notice here is simply this, and that is to understand words of insight. When you seek the Lord and he matures your life, you will now possess the ability to comprehend truth in the world. To understand simply means essentially that your eyes are now going to be open to the world in which we live. In the culture that we find ourselves in 2022 with the gender discussion, the abortion debate, etc., we need to be able to understand the world the way the Lord understands the world, the way the Lord created the world. We need the ability to pray, Oh God, how do you look at this? Oh God, what does your word say about that? To receive the wisdom is to be able to understand from his perspective. As we'll see in our study, as royal citizens inside a world that is opposed to Jesus and his kingdom, there will be enemies to truth. As followers of Jesus, we must be able to differentiate between the two, to understand his world. Again, I ask you, do you want this? Jesus wants you to know wisdom. He wants you to understand. But thirdly, notice that Jesus wants you to receive instruction in wise dealing. The dealing here reveals righteousness and justice and equity. I love this picture. Everything in the Christian life is given to us. To receive means it's something that we don't have but rather God gives it to us. Every day, our hope is for new mercies. Every day, we ask for daily bread. Every day, we depend upon the Lord to give us all that we need. When he provides instruction to us, he makes us wise. To receive wisdom is a result of God's grace, of our lives being received in instruction of a great love of his ways above the earth. Do you know what Jesus cares about? He cares about justice. He cares about judgment. He cares about righteousness. He cares for people. He cares for us to love him, and he cares about us loving his world appropriately. He wants us to live for him and for our lives to reflect his values. Do you want this? Is that what you want for your life? Last thing I'll mention here as as an enticement uh, for you to desire the message of Proverbs is that Jesus wants to give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the young. Hope everyone's paying attention to this. And in a sense, I hope everyone recognizes that we're all young in eternity standpoint. That is, we're all growing. None of us have matured perfectly. Regardless of our age, there's still an element of of young and youth here. But the hope of Christ, as revealed in Proverbs, is not that you will simply stay where you are, because that would be one who is simple, but rather that you will grow in prudence. That is, that you would not be gullible. To be simple here in Proverbs means to let the world form you. 
to just go along with whatever the world has to say is true, rather than the supernatural reality of Jesus' spirit affecting our mind. Not to have the supernatural eyes of Jesus means that we will simply believe anything. And Jesus wants us to believe what he has done and what he has created and what is true of him. What God wants for you is a mind shaped by his spirit. Yes, a childlike faith, but a faith who trusts in the king that is surrounded by, verse 7, the fear of the Lord. See, what the Lord has for us is to recognize that we have a king, and that king is our savior, and he is good, and we follow him. See, friends, this is our life, that we live in submission to the one who loves us, for the one who died for us, for the one who is returning for us. The hope of the message is that your life will be in step with Jesus. So please notice what this commercial does not promise. He does not promise necessarily material wealth. He does not promise necessarily a long life. He does not promise the American dream. No, what he promises is that you have the ability to see the world as he sees the world. He promises his kingdom to you and your place in it where you experience the love of a savior. He promises you a place in his family and he promises you to have the skill to live in that family appropriately. Do you want this? You see, I think we all do. I think we all long in our hearts, which have been filled with Christ and changed by Christ, is we want to know his ways because we know that there's something in this world that's not right. And we long for the day when Jesus returns and makes it right. But as we wait for him, we go with his knowledge and his wisdom and his skill. We've seen the uniqueness of the messenger. We've seen the hope of the message. And that is that God loves you so much, he wants our hearts and our minds to trust him. The way in which our hope is fueled is by his spirit. And there is no greater way I can think of for us to do that this morning than again to return to this table where he feeds us every week. His body and his blood are what fuels our hearts in the message of Christ. If you want more of him, he is here for us. Come now and let's prepare our hearts to meet with our Savior at his table. Let me pray and ask that the Lord will do just that. Father, we thank you that your love for us is great. We thank you that your love for us has been revealed to us in your word. Lord, as we look at these great Old Testament passages over the coming weeks, Father, would you do this in the lives of your people here at TCPC and around the world? Give us eyes to see the glory of your kingdom. And Father, as we prepare now to feast around this banquet table, uh, we, we come in anticipation. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.